Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're talking about the covenants of promise. And I want to read our text scripture, which is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. I'm reading from 26 translations. You had no connection with Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and outside God covenants, outside of God's covenants and the promise that comes with them. Oh man, we have been called to the most amazing covenant relationship. And it's the Abrahamic covenant, which was enlarged to include everybody on planet Earth who has faith in Christ. Well, uh, we go today to the story of Zacchaeus, and it's found in the Gospel of Luke, the 19th chapter. And it says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And Jesus encountered this man who was despicable. Uh, the Jewish people hated their tax collectors, and, and they were Jews. They were fellow Jews. And this was something that the Romans did. When the Romans conquered a territory, they didn't put their own tax collectors in power. They put in power locals and gave them the power to collect taxes because they knew that the locals would know the financial situations of their neighbors better than strangers. They knew that people would be able to hide things from outsiders, but if they got a local, the local would know where the money was hidden. They would know who had money, who didn't. And so they used people like Zacchaeus. And these tax collectors were considered to be traitors. They were total outcasts. The people wouldn't have anything to do with them. And Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, which made it worse. But when Jesus came into the city of Jericho, Zacchaeus was desperate to see him. So let's read and let's go to verse 3. He sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, because he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. This is fascinating to me. He climbed up in this tree. Now, this requires a certain humility. Uh, Zacchaeus would have worn very nice clothing. He would have had rich robes. He would have stood apart from the common people uh, just because of his clothing. And here he is, this little guy, up in a sycamore tree. He has climbed up this tree, and it's a, it's a tree that's perfect for climbing because it had a short, sturdy trunk, and uh, so you didn't have to go too far to get to the first branch. And he's out on these branches, and he's looking for Jesus. And this is something you might expect of a kid, uh, but certainly not a prominent man, certainly not a man who is a tax collector who has a high position in the city. So there's some humility here. And when Jesus comes to the tree and he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus, he stops and he responds. Now, Scripture doesn't say this. I, I, I believe this. Scripture doesn't say it, and I may be wrong. But it says, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus. Now, I believe Jesus knew who he was by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it doesn't say that, but that's just my little belief. So indulge me in that if you would. 
uh, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. Jesus had a sense of purpose about this. So he knew that there was something here. He was following something. If there was no hope for Zacchaeus, I don't think Jesus would have called him by name, and I don't think Jesus would have gone to his house. But he has this sense of purpose. And so uh, I can see Jesus being so intimate with the Holy Spirit and so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he would know, okay, there's something to be had here. There's some fruit to be uh, gathered here. I'm going to this man's house. So he made haste and he came down and received Jesus joyfully. And so he was, you, you can see right away that he was honored to have Jesus in his home. This was not an ordinary thing here. Now the critics didn't like it. They didn't like it at all because he was rich. And he was a tax collector, so he wasn't just rich, but he was probably a little bit crooked as well. And uh, let me just say this. Poor people are not automatically righteous. Uh, we have this notion that if people are poor, they must be right with God. That poverty has no bearing on your faith in God. Neither does being rich. Uh, so we don't hate rich people just because they're rich. And you know what's amazing to me is in the church, there are people who look down on the poor, and in the church just as guilty are those who look down on those that are blessed financially. And uh, I've seen that happen both ways. And you can be wrong on either count. Just because someone has money doesn't mean there's something evil about them. But a lot of, a lot of people have a spirit of poverty, and they resent people who seem to have money. Um, and uh, so um, this is a problem. And you see Jesus not being like this at all. He doesn't have any problem going to the house of Zacchaeus. And uh, he, he, Jesus did not have a religious spirit. And you know, uh, that's something that, that it would be wise for us to observe. There are a lot of people who are religious that are not spiritual at all. They're not really close to God, but they are religious, and they carry themselves in such a way so as to have this air of superiority. Um, boy, and I'm going to tell you what, sin sinners feel that, and they know that, and they know that you disapprove of them. And some of us walk around with this kind of an attitude, I cannot approve of you until you're just like me. And Jesus didn't like that at all. Let me read to you how he thought about it. This is from the Gospel of Matthew, Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapter 5, Matthew 46, 47, 48. Listen to this. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same. He said the tax collectors have a brotherhood about them, and they talk to each other, and they receive each other. They associate with each other. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. And they're the most despised people in Jewish society in the first century. And Jesus said that tax collectors have this thing where they will at least receive their own. And he said, if you're the kind of person that the only person you can be friendly to is one of your own group, one of your own religious caste, one of your own church uh, fellow church attenders, if that's how you are, uh, you're not like Christ. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. That doesn't mean you approve of people's sin, but you know what? We need to show civility to people that are not like us. And Zacchaeus repented. He changed when Jesus showed him civility and kindness. Let me read to you 
Uh, this is uh, Luke 19, 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, there is no record that Jesus told him to do that at all. He did this on his own. What then triggered this, this stern look from Jesus? Was it Jesus' rebuke that triggered this kind of repentance in Zacchaeus? No. It was his civility and his genuine love, and Zacchaeus felt it, and he responded. You know what the Scripture says? It says it is the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. And it's too bad because a lot of people think they're doing God a favor by being the conscience of every evil person they come across. And this doesn't mean that you approve of what evil people do. doesn't mean that at all. And there are times when you take a stand for righteousness against evil, especially in your government and so forth. But I'm telling you that we need to at the same time show a compassion for people who need God. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, what does that mean when Jesus is saying, My Father in heaven loves sinners, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves sinners. And so Zacchaeus repented when he saw the civility of Jesus. And when he did this, and he volunteered to restore people, uh, for if he'd taken things uh, by illegitimate means... Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. He just said, Zacchaeus got saved today. Today he believed because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. God favored Zacchaeus because he was part of the covenant family of Abraham. And Jesus didn't say he was automatically saved because he was of the family of Abraham. He said, today salvation has come to his house. So it was later that when Zacchaeus had a change of heart, that's when the salvation came. But because he was a son of Abraham, he had opportunity to hear. Now this is what's so very important. It's important for us not to give up on people. You never know. There are people that you will come across who have an ancestor that prayed for them, maybe a grandmother, a great-grandmother who prayed for them and earnestly sought God for them and asked God to have mercy on their family, on their children, on their grandchildren. And you know those prayers are every bit as much alive today as they were when they were first prayed. When I first became a follower of Christ... I felt like there were some people I could reach, and some of them were in my school. And I went after them and led several of them to Christ. But one was a great uncle of mine. And I had been around this great uncle one time. I heard stories about him, how wild he was. And my only encounter with him was I went to his house, and I saw a lawn chair and a big... Uh, galvanized trash can and beer cans out in the backyard. 
And it was my understanding that when he would get home from work, he would go out and sit in that lawn chair with a shotgun on his lap. Now, who knows why he had it, but he did. He carried a shotgun, had it on his lap in the city, and sat there and drank till he was drunk and would stay out in the backyard like that. And on the weekends, it was way worse. And that was what I'd heard about him as a little boy. And so I knew he was far from God. I was far from God as a, as a teenager till I got saved when I was 17. Now, when I was 17, I felt led to write him a letter. And I wrote him a letter and I told him the story of how I'd come to Christ and how much God loved him and wanted him in the family. And I sent him that letter and that following Sunday, I had to be out of town. I was in another church in another city but while I was gone, he came to church with that letter in his hand. And when the pastor finished preaching the sermon, he held up that letter and walked down to the front of the church and knelt at the altar and said, I have to give my heart to God. And he held up that letter and it hooked him. It got him. But you know what? It wasn't my letter. From what I understand, it was the prayer of his mother. My great uncle had a mother who prayed for him and all of his brothers, all of his siblings, and she sent up countless prayers and intercessions for her children that they might know God. And that woman died in 1948. But God heard those prayers, and in 1970, this would be 22 years later, this man was saved because of an amazing thing that God did. God does great things, doesn't he? He remembers these things, and he keeps these prayers bottled up. Zacchaeus was saved because of the heritage that he had. Let God use you to touch somebody who may have an amazing heritage. And when you go to them, accept them. Don't You don't accept all the behavior. You don't believe in everything they do, but you receive them because they have a heritage where someone has prayed for them and has believed God for them, and you can be a tool and an instrument to answer that prayer. Well, it's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll pick this up again tomorrow.